Now, today we're going to talk about how to identify good talent, how to optimize your day, and how to run a multi-seven-figure business. Chandler is a 24-year-old CEO, COO, running two businesses doing a combined $4.5 million in revenue annually. But Chandler really does live a unique life where he travels, but he also has a huge team and he's been able to successfully grow two businesses very quick. So I realized that one of my unique abilities is like strategy and thinking. So the solution is typically clear if you know the problem. Welcome to the Zeroed In Podcast. I'm your host, John Lalonde, a seasoned real estate investment expert and former Marine recon sniper. This podcast is designed for those seeking effective strategies to increase revenue growth through strategic hiring, leadership, and effective tracking. Our focus here is clear and direct. We provide actionable insights from successful founders and growth experts. Whether you're establishing a new business or aiming to scale an existing one, our episodes offer the essential advice you need for practical business growth. Lock and load, zero in, and get ready to scale. Welcome to the Zeroed In Podcast. Today we have Chandler Sane. Chandler is a 24-year-old CEO, COO, running two businesses doing a combined $4.5 million in revenue annually. Now, today we're going to talk about how to identify good talent, how to optimize your day, and how to run a multi-seven-figure business around your life. I want you to stay tuned to the end because a lot of times we talk about business. We talk about you know how to scale, how to grow, but Chandler really does live a unique life where he travels, and he's traveling four times a year, we're gonna talk about that, but he also has a huge team, and he's been able to successfully grow two businesses very quick. So Chandler, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, it's good to be here, dude. Awesome. I, uh, the only time we've ever met, John, is when we were in, in, in Colombia in another country, so um, in, it's kind of funny in, to, go ahead. Yeah. And in Denver at your mastermind. So we'll oh yeah, dude, duh, that. yeah. That's a that's an obvious one. Met in my in my 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 residence, my, the city that I live in. That I don't have any documents saying I live here. So you know, <laughs> is what it is. Israel nomad. Dude. So I love it. Yeah. So I want to ask. I'll kind of jump in. Um, so you're 24 years old, and you have how many employees right now? If you had to um, well, between kind of the, I know you're exiting out of your wholesaling business, and you're doing a lot of uh, the coaching now. But if you had to combine both of them. Yeah, it's uh like a little over 30, like 31 or 32. And at 24 years old, when did you hire your first employee? How old were you? Yeah, so I technically came into working with uh, my business partner and he had a couple like VAs and stuff. So like I came into managing people um, with him at like 20, 21. Um, but the first time I ever managed anyone uh, was actually when I was like 16 my dad has a landscape construction company. And so every summer, well, actually it was, sorry, when I was 18, was I, when I was managing people. Uh, when I was 18 for my dad's uh, landscape construction company, I was running a crew of like three to five people would range on the, the job or the week or whatever. And so I would be responsible for the, the roots all being maintained and also like running projects that are where we're building like retaining walls or patios or whatever. And I had to coordinate all that. So that's like the first time I managed people. Um, but technically the first time I was paying people was when I was 21. And at 21, you know, most of the people that you're hiring are going to be older than you, right? How did you- Every, Everyone, pretty everyone much, yes. Yeah. Right? So Everyone's still older than me. <laughs> yeah, right? And so most people struggle with the confidence 
right? Because they're holding people that are accountable, that are in their forties, their fifties. First of all, how do you, how'd you develop that confidence to be able to hold people accountable? That's the, that would be the first thing that I'm curious about. And did you always have it? Yeah. Uh, so how did I develop the confidence to basically have people who are older than me, maybe have more experience than me? Um, how do I develop that confidence to, to keep those people, you know, basically in tune and, and manage those people? Honestly, dude, like I've never been in a room where I wasn't like selected as a leader, no matter what element it is. And I don't know why that was so, like in school projects, like everyone would just be like, oh, Chandler, you're going to lead the group or whatever. And I think that's maybe just like kind of the air I cared about myself. But if I had to like give you an answer, I'd probably say like the fact that I've done enough things and been and rose to the top and be like number one or like, you know, an elite performer in that, uh, you know, realm of, you know, sports or school or business or whatever it might be. I think that that kind of just like solidifies it. Like it doesn't really matter how old you are. As long as you like produce results, it doesn't, nothing, nothing else matters. So like one thing that I remember talking to, you know, people about a lot. So like, this is probably when I broke my belief the most is when I was working for my dad and I would get, you know, I ran a route. I had, I managed like 150 properties um, at a time and all the customers would basically like, Oh, how do you do this at such a young age? And like, you don't really think about it because people would come out to me and I would sell them on new jobs, um, like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 packages just to like go and do like a, I don't know, a patio or something. And I would just kind of be shooting from the hip, but people just like respect when you know what you're, know what you're saying and you say it with confidence. And I realized that from pretty young age that if you just sound like, you know what you're saying and like people just believe you, I don't think it really like ever has been something I've had to learn. It's just something that I kind of fell into and was forced into by my dad, which is like a great learning lesson for me. And like, you know, now like I coach people who are like 50 years old and they're asking me for life advice. And it's kind of funny how that comes full circle. So you went from your dad's landscaping company and then you transitioned directly into real estate and you, and Mm -hmm. you and Gino grew that company very quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do you think contributed to your success? You guys were both relatively young and uh, based on kind of what we were just talking about before we went live is you went from $700,000 to 1.8 to 2.5 to 3.1, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think contributed to that growth if you had to sum it up? Yeah, I think it's two things. One, constant education. So we spent a lot of money on education, several hundred, like between 350 and 400K um, in education. To, to learn those skills. The other thing is like relentless work for two years, really like a year and a half. I mean, I probably worked like 80 hours a week and all I did was just work um, seven days a week, just grind all day long. And when you do that for long enough, you collapse a lot of time. And if you pay for education and people to tell you what to do, and then you just go and do it a bunch, you screw up a lot really fast. Um, and you're not an idiot. It's like, you know, I'm not like a genius, but you know, I'm not an idiot. Then you learn from your mistakes and you just get better really quickly. So the mixture of having good goals and I think having the right goals um, for what you want in that, that time of life and then being able to put the work in to actually get there and having people tell you how to do it along the way was the most critical thing that we could have done. Um, Cause otherwise like, you know, you, anytime you do something for the first time, it's almost impossible. Like try like, I don't know if you, if everyone's learned how to do a backflip, the first time you try to do a backflip, it's like the most scary thing you've ever done. It's like extremely challenging. You're like, I don't want to go backwards because it just feels wrong. But then once you've done it a few times, it's like, okay, I can just repeat this over and over again. And that's the same way business is. It's like once you've scaled a business to 100K per month, 200K, whatever it is, 
you kind of understand the pieces that, that work there. And as you do it one time, you're like, okay, I can kind of see how this works. You do it two times, you're like, oh, I'm starting to get this three, four, five, 10, 20 times. You can basically see how it's now a system that gets there and it's not just like, you know, one thing. So having someone who knows that system and has done that path multiple times, having them guide you through it is like one of the most valuable things I've ever done. And I think a lot of people, they want the, the huge success and they might see people like you that are traveling the world. You've got 30 employees underneath you um, and they probably think it comes easy to you, right? They think, oh, well, that guy just came easy to him. And everybody wants the upside, but not a lot of people are willing to put in that 80 hours for two years before they pop their head up and and start to kind of smell the roses and enjoy what they've built, right? So when you were going through that extreme growth, there had to be some bad months in there, right? There had to be some volatility where you guys didn't know that you were going to make it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but has that ever happened to you? We honestly, things were really good when when we went, because it was 2021, 2022, market was really good, but we made some mistakes in there that like did kind of screw us up a a pretty, it set us like set us back months. So like if we were doing everything and we were really hands-on, like honestly, like things were fairly stable just because we were so like dialed and like sharp on everything. And we had a really good, we set up a really good team at that point for that level of business. But the biggest turning point where we made our first like huge mistake that cost us like multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars um, was we hired a sales director. So this was like when we were doing about like 200 to 250 at the end of 2022 uh, per month. And we hired our best sales guy to become a sales manager. You hear it all the time. Don't do it. I can attest that most of the time there's select circumstances that it does work out. But if you hire your best sales guy to become the sales manager, you're going to lose a lot of sales. And so what happened for us was we actually realized that he wasn't a great sales manager um, and our closing rate cut in half. And if you have 50% margins, your profit goes away. So that happened for three months. And then we did that twice. So that was really fucking stupid. So six months, we basically had a stretch where we were just breaking even and working really hard. And so that was probably like the first biggest mistake we made where you learn it from a very expensive standpoint. So, you know, that was that I'd say that puts the belief in your head where it's like, am I good enough to select the right people um, to do the job? Did I hire the right team? Did I build the right team? Have I put the right systems in place, the right processes and all that kind of stuff. And that's like the challenge of going from, you know, a hundred 200, 300 to kind of like that million a month in this business because you have to scale people in the real estate business um, where there's the leverage is literally the deal size and the team you build. So that's what's really challenging. And like you have to be an incredible operator from a team building perspective, basically to be able to bridge that gap um, and, and not hate your life. So. so what did you guys do when, when the sales manager comes in? And I guess what problems did you identify that that sales manager yeah. wasn't good at because he was obviously yeah. good at closing if he was your top guy. But mm-hmm. yeah, the dude was great. He was closing 10 deals. On, he, he literally closed 10 deals in one month by himself. Like yeah, close deals. The difference between a good sales rep and a good sales manager, what skills mm-hmm. are different that you're looking for in a sales manager that a sales rep might not have? The biggest thing, it's literally one thing. And it's what Tony Robbins says all the time. It's, it's the standard that you hold your team to. So like for him, he would just kind of like someone would maybe like fall off the process a little bit or not handle an objection sharp. And then he'd just be like, ah, you know, it's okay. Like you did that because of X, Y, Z reason, very understanding. But so what what happened was the standard just slowly, slowly, slowly dropped until like you walk in there and it's like a wildfire. Like no one's following the process. No one, it's like, no one even knows how to fucking do sales. It's basically like when you walk in there, 
And then like, you're like, Oh my God, like this is so horrendous. But like things like slowly degrade over time just because like the under, like being too understanding and not holding people to a high enough standard creates that. So in my opinion, the biggest thing you got to look for is someone who knows when to push and knows when to pull, but keeps the standard high no matter what. Because if you can hold your team to a high standard, like Tony Robbins says, it's like the standard, the lowest standard you allow is the standard that everyone's going to fall to. So if you allow people to just kind of go about things in a willy nilly way, then things are going to be gone about in a pretty loose way. Uh, so for me, that's, that's the biggest thing um, that I found. Yeah. And so I'm reading, um, I'm reading the book, the dichotomy of leadership right now by Jocko. Great book. Yeah. So it's funny what you just said is a quote that I have on my background and it came from, you know, Ren, Ren brought it up. It was in the quote. So it keeps sticking in my head. So it's one of those things, put it on the background of my computer. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to performance, stand, performance standards, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. And for the longest time, I would, I've always had performance standards in my business. I've always had KPIs and metrics that you need to hit. But if people weren't hitting them, I just go, eh, you know, well, you know, why aren't, why aren't you hitting them? Let's dive into it. Um, hey, let's look at this again next week. Okay, you're still not hitting them. What's the problem? But when it comes to performance standards, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. And so I was on a coaching call talking about, hey, my standard is this. Well, is everyone hitting it on your team? Well, no, no one, only 25% of the team's hitting it. Well, then that's not your standard. That's what you want, right? And so, so I love what you're saying is a lot of people say they have these standards. These are the standards. But if you've got people on your team that aren't hitting them and you're not putting them through performance improvement plans and ways to get them off the team if they're not, then that's not your real standard. So um, that's really, really good. And it's so when you when you had that, right, you've identified that that was the problem. What was your next step? Did you just go, okay, this guy is no good and you bring somebody else on? Did you have uh, the old sales manager come back? How did you how did you manage? Walk me through that. So, okay, so this is like another thing that I inherently knew as far as a frame. Like I had this gut feeling that was like, there's no way the team that we built that got us to, you know, one point eight million dollars per year, two million, whatever you want to call it. There's no way this team is going to be good enough to like. There's no way we did it first try. That's what I basically said. Yeah, yeah. First real business, first try, first team. I was like, there's no way we're fucking that good. Okay. Um, and so I knew that in my head, but I didn't like trust my gut. So what what, what I tried to do is like, we tried to save and train and, and like teach and like wait and be patient and like be like, oh, we can teach this. We can train this person to be good enough at the job. But in reality, that's kind of a fool's errand. It's like dating a girl and trying to, Change. She's like, oh, if this one thing was perfect, she'd be amazing. And then like trying to like date her and like change that. And that's just <laughs> yeah. a fool's errand. I think we've all been there and done that yep. before. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that's like what we, what I try to do when in reality is to just hired someone who had experience. So basically being extremely talented in what we did, uh, we, 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 were, we basically demoted him down to like uh, just a closer again. And then we promoted him three months later and thought it would change. And then it did it. Um, and then so that clearly was dumb. But then after that, like basically uh, Gino stepped back in as a sales manager and ran it for a little while until we actually were able to find someone who had whole, had basically his own wholesale business, wholesaled in the past, like 30 deals in a year. Um, he wanted to be a part of a team and he came in and started taking over the team and runs it now. So that's that's what we did to, to turn it around and become smarter and wiser. But in the moment, you don't really realize that until you actually screw it up. 
And that's what like, these expensive learning lessons are, are more valuable than anything you could ever have. So, and it takes a lot of humility and kind of putting your ego aside to go, okay, I, we're not that good because most people will just say every decision that I make is the best decision possible. And that's how yeah. businesses end up really suffering and why you've been able to grow because you've, you've thought, okay, are we really that good? And you've tested that. So, so you've got these salesmen promoted from within. Did you have something to add on that? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think one other thing too, is if your gut tell like, you got to like there, trust your gut. Cause like, for me, like looking back on that situation, I could have, before any of it unfolded, if you were to ask me today, like, do you think this team is good enough? Like gun to my head, I would have answered no. That would have been my answer. But like, I wasn't really like man enough to admit it in the moment. And like, if I was really smart and like, well, if I, if I was wiser and know what I know now in that moment, what I would have done is not tried to scale and spend more money and do all this other stuff. And I would have just built the team, the foundation stronger and like, yeah, sure, margins would have gone to be less, but your team gets better. So like in the end, they would come back and then you can scale. So basically what I would do again is just build the team to where I'm like, okay, is this team good enough to scale to the next level? And I answer yes. Then like that's when I would have spent more money and put foot on the gas versus like, like, ah, you know, like gun to the head. Like, is this team actually good? No, they're not good enough. Okay, well, don't don't be a dummy and spend more money uh, yeah. and try to do more deals with a, with a broken foundation. And that's that's what happens. You know, uh, I see it happen. I mean, it happens at all levels, but you don't know what you don't know until you see it. So I just want to put that in there. It's like if you if you feel like your team is just isn't good enough, they're probably if you feel like you got to train your team. Like, there's a there's a good book. It's called uh, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell, and he talks about transactional leadership and transformational leadership. And like in that moment when we were like doing like around 200 K a month, when we were like basically the end of end of the year where we did 1.8, we were on hundred percent transactional leaders. Like all my day was like exactly how he defines it was exactly what I was doing. Like I literally would have meetings all day helping each director fucking push their projects forward. And which is completely like in the moment I was like, Oh dude, I'm doing like so much work. I'm working through six people, blah, 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 seven people. But then like 11, 12, 13 people stack up. And you're like, oh, I can't do anything. Now I can't do my own work. I don't have any time. And it, it, it was just a disaster. So um, you got to like be able to make that shift to where it's outcome based. And it's like, hey, just figure out how to get here. Like, I'll be here to coach you through it instead of like, let me just like help you drive this forward. So once you pull that lever, right? And once you say, okay, I need, I need a, a new level of talent. What are mm-hmm. you looking for in director level employees? When you're looking through resumes, when you're interviewing what are you looking for and what questions are you asking to be able to bring out the attributes that you're looking for? Yeah, good question. So the biggest thing is I'm asking, I, I like to give people, throw it out on the table, be like, hey, last 90 days, here's where we're at. Here's our problems. Here's where we're trying to go. What do you think we should do? And then I want them to give me something that's really good. And then I'm going to try to break their plan apart and see how they hold up to it. Like, well, what happens if this happens? And then see how they respond to that. And I'm looking for very specific things that they think they would do based on the context. Obviously they're not going to have all the context, but are they asking me the right questions to like, you know, what I perceive as the right questions for information that they need? Are they coming up with a plan that actually like would solve that problem? And do I think it would solve it? Do I think it would be very beneficial to the team? And all of that's, that's the, what's one part of it. The other thing I'm asking them for is what's your past experience in a managerial in a director leadership type role at company. So like specifically like what happened when you joined the company, how long were you there? And then what happened through your period, like basically where, where was your start point? What was your finish point? 
And then how long were you there? What specific things did you do to get from point A to point B? And I need like specifics. Like I can't have like some broad sales guy answer, you know, where he like talks about whatever, like mindset yeah. and stuff. It yeah. needs to be like, well, I came into the marketing department and the first thing I realized was I kind of sat there for two weeks, realized what was going on and saw that, hey, this department or this lead gen channel or whatever was like really inefficient. So I kind of broke it down, found the problems. So I found one, two, three. Then when I found one, two, three, I delete, I removed one because like that's completely a waste. And then I went one, two, three and saw, made a solution. That's like what you're looking for. If someone can give you that and then they're like that outcome, that, that solution gave me X outcome, then you know, oh damn, like this person like is dialed. And like, that's someone who you want on your team more than likely. If they fit your culture and everything else, obviously. And so when do you know that you're ready for that director level employee, that somebody that's going to come on your team and take that ownership instead of just be, you know, because like what you've said in the past where you've got directors or someone running a department, <laughs> when do you know you're ready to bring on somebody that's going to take over a department? Because you could do what you did in the past. And I've certainly had this exact, the exact same thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Where you've brought in the wrong person and everything crumbles from that. So how do you know when you're ready and how do you know when you can let that go? Yeah, I think most of it comes down to your bandwidth because as an entrepreneur, you're always going to be the bottleneck. And basically, can you do, so like when you create rocks and like goals for like the business and all this kind of stuff. So let's say your goal is to make a million, like $5 million this year. And you know, in order to get to 5 million, you need to do boom, boom, boom. These five things, these 10 things in the business. Um, and it's like, just you, maybe you and one other person, maybe you and two other people, whatever the team size is. And and whoever is responsible for said rocks, let's just say it's me in this example. Then once I'm like, so because I'm going through this right now in the education company, it's like whenever I'm like, okay, in order for me to build out the content and to build out the fulfillment team, like the product, the client success team and courses and to do all the content so we can grow on the front end and grow my brand and all that kind of stuff. In order for me to do all that, I have to give up something that's extremely valuable and I can't give the energy that is required to make whatever thing a success. So in the situation, it's like I either have to pick doing the product and client success really good, or I have to pick doing the content really good because I still have to run the business, still have to do a lot of other things that are involved in it. And when I'm in this scenario, there's either, there's only two options. There's one, Maybe like for me, like the, the, the route I'm actually taking for this is I thought I needed to hire a director. Um, what I'm actually going to do is I'm just going to be, I'm able to grab some efficiencies that allow me to do both. Um, and then like pave way to hire a director when the company's a little bit more mature. Um, so that's like what I'm doing in this scenario. Uh, but basically like when I'm deciding through this, like do I need to hire a director or do I need to build some efficiencies in the business? Um, and so I have the ability to go and make the job way more efficient to where managing the fulfillment team actually takes no is not required of me because I have the resources in place to actually just do that and kind of manage the team and like work through these people at a very low level, a very low like um, time commitment level. And then I can still put my time in content and, you know, course products and all that kind of stuff. So that's like the situation. But if I was to say strictly, like, if you have to, if you know, there's no way around it, and you have to give up a huge responsibility of the business, and you can't give it the justice that, that it needs to, to, to blossom. That's when you need to hire a director, uh, in my opinion. And so You've been able to build out one of the things that I really love about being coached by you. I've been coached by you in the past is you've been able to build out essentially a spreadsheet that says, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this task anymore. Can you walk, mm -hmm. walk us through when you know, okay, this could be optimized 
this could be hired out, right? Or this I need to continue doing. How do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So I have an exercise and John's alluding to it, but basically we're on my, like the simplest version of it is take an Excel sheet. You need three columns and maybe like an hour of your time is write out all your tasks and responsibilities, the things that you're accountable for, the things that take your attention in one column. So all the things that basically suck your time and your attention in one column. And then in the second column, you're going to grade each one based on a scale of zero to three of revenue generation. So zero meaning no revenue and three meaning the most revenue. It's all relative to your your role, right? So like someone making sales calls is three revenue for someone, but then it's a zero for someone else because it's just like a pointless task. So you're going to grade them all relative to you. And then the next column is you're going to basically write notes about each one. What you're going to do is you're going to look at them and be like, okay, all the zero revenue things, I'm just not going to do that because that's completely a waste of time. All the one revenue things, if you can maybe automate it, uh, maybe you can optimize it. Maybe you're just not doing it. Delegate it to someone else. The ones and zero, ones and zeros pretty much go to someone else automatically. Twos revenue generating. Can we make it less, take less time? Does it take less, like very little amount of time? Those that I can tolerate. And then three revenue generators, you want to double down on it and figure out how you can basically do more of it. Um, and that's kind of how you hone uh, what you're doing in your time. Uh, and you really want to match these, not only like how revenue generating is it, but you want to match it with your strengths and your, and your unique abilities. So, you know, for me, like I'm not like the best sales guy in the world and I don't love sales. It doesn't fire me up. I like talking to people and like teaching people. That's my favorite thing to do is coaching people and like helping them get results. So I'm not going to like center my time around like a sales team. I'm going to center my time around how can I sit in my unique ability that's going to provide the most it's going to have the most leverage for me doing the task and provide the most value for the company. And that's, so that's how I'm basically taking what I do and choosing what I delegate based on my strengths and what is not revenue generating at all. And now you, now your calendar, I know one of the things that was impressive to me is you like to keep a lot of white space on your calendar to be able to think, yeah. to be able to problem solve. So as the CEO of, you know, so, well, you've been the, C, the COO of a company doing uh, three and a half. Now you've got another one doing over a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. What does your calendar look like now? And why are you choosing to spend so much time going on vacations? I shouldn't say going on vacations, but traveling. Like you've you've grinded for those two years, right? Two, three years, and you've built these huge businesses. What shifted now to where you're leaving more time for yourself? Yeah. So I realized that one of my unique abilities is like strategy and thinking. I'm usually able to just like, what the question I ask myself every day is just like, what's the problem in the business that's keeping us, the biggest problem in the business, keeping us from making more money. But I ask myself like, literally like probably three or four times a day, just Are as I'm walking around. As or is that just the thought that comes into your head naturally? So I'm actually writing it down as of two days ago, because that's one of my things is to plan my day. And that's just a thought that goes through my head every morning. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm putting it down on paper now. But in general, like I just think about it. And so like, since I spend so much time thinking about it and it, and like, not just like thinking about like, ask myself a question and like, Oh, what's the biggest problem? Oh, lead gen. And then like kind of move on. It's like, I just sit there and bake on it. So like, I'll go, I go and run like an hour most days. So like for an hour, I'll just go deep in thought about that issue or when I'm driving or when I'm skiing or whatever. And so like, I try to spend as much time on the problem because the, the, the solution is typically clear. If you know the problem, like, Solution creation is not too crazy if you have the right problem. But I think the issue that most business owners have, which keeps them stuck and growing slowly, is they focus on the wrong things. So if you're there's because like the theory of constraints is this uh, is this idea. It's technically a theory, but it's a law, I guess, that there's only one thing holding you back 
at any given point in time. And then once you solve that and release it, then your business will elevate and go to the next level. So if your problem is your closing rate, let's say in a business, and it's 10%, well, if you try to fix lead gen, you're just going to waste money um, and time and resources and never solve your actual true issue. Because your, your bottleneck and your constraint, the thing that's not letting any more money come out is, is closing rate. So until you fix closing rate and face the true issue, then you're never going to grow. So that's what I focus all my time on is like that problem and then that solution. And then like getting the team basically working on that. So the reason like I, I set my calendar up, it used to be super busy, but I'm looking at my calendar right now. Monday, I have one call, which is just our, our weekly business review. Um, Tuesday, I have uh, two calls. I have an accountability group call with some of my friends and then that we do like a weekly accountability thing. And then I have like my weekly coaching call, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Wednesday, I have two calls. And then Thursday, I have no calls. And then Friday, I have one call. And that's it. So like, I literally am in two hours of calls max per day. The rest is all just time for me to do deep work or time for me to think or do whatever is required for the business to grow. Um, so a lot, of, I mean, on Thursdays, like it's my content day. So that's the day I film all my content. So usually like today we're on a podcast on a Thursday. It's literally the day that I just only film. So that's all I'm doing is filming. So it's technically not an empty day, but it is, it is if I need it. So that's, that's like how I set my day up just because I need that white space in order to solve the right problem and to push the business forward. Like even, okay, this is a completely different topic, but like I have my, um, my planning sheet here. And so like I go through on my notepad every day and like write out my, my to do's my goals and the things that I'm thinking about that, that morning and spending 30 minutes on this makes you incredibly more productive because you actually have intention going on in a day. Cause most of the time, like the things that actually drive the business forward are only like two to three, maybe max four hours of tasks per day. And so if you just figure out how can I just like, like if you limit yourself to working less, then you're going to work more effectively. So for me, like my goal this year is to take 45 weekdays off to travel four times four two week trips per year. And to do one three-week trip, um, I'm going one three-week trip to Vietnam where I'm going to try to take three weeks in a row off. And that's like my goal is basically like built around how do I get the business to a point by the second week of March that I can leave and go to Europe or go to South America or wherever I'm going for two weeks and take four days off on that trip? How can I get the business to the point in May where I can go and take three weeks off on the other side of the world? And so when you're thinking about that as like my goal, then you're going to do things a lot differently today because the the other principle too that I'm thinking about too a lot is it's I think it's called it's not Pareto's principle it's the one that basically says if you give yourself X amount of time to do something then it'll take you X amount of time to do it so I'm just trying to shorten the I'm just trying to make there be more constraints on the way that I live my life that will force me to build my business a different way so that's like in a nutshell kind of like how I like to structure my day and like structure my life so basically if you build your business out and you say hey my goal is just to increase revenue, right? You keep it broad like that. My goal is just to mm -hmm. increase revenue. And that's the only thing I'm focused on. You're probably going to end up filling a bunch of spots, right? Whatever needs to happen mm -hmm. to increase revenue. But if you go a layer deeper and you say, my goal is to you know, continue to grow the company by X while still doing X, you're just going to yep. think differently and be able to accomplish that, right? Yeah. So yeah. Lately in your business, I'm, I'm just really curious when you are thinking, when, you, when you're changing that, that way of your thinking to where, okay, if you want to take two weeks off, especially if you're going to go to Vietnam, which is, I think, on like a 13 hour time difference. Um, it's crazy. Around there, like you're not going to be, you're going to be sleeping while they're working and vice versa. So you need to be unplugged, right? Yep. What are you doing now 
to be able to set your business up for success so that you can start taking two weeks off completely unplugged from your phone. Yeah, it's simple. I just look at the shit I'm doing and I say, what shit keeps me from taking three weeks off? And okay. I don't, I don't do it. <laughs> or I'm like, how can I optimize this to where I can not do it for three weeks? So for content, it's going to yeah. be easy. I'm going to have an extra three weeks of shit filmed. And then like now my team, I have a team in place, like a guy who runs my entire content department who I'm just going to say, Hey, Hey, Lyndon, here's all my stuff. Make sure, you know, and he doesn't, I don't need to hold him accountable because he's in, he's a beast, you know, like there's nothing I need to do. He just, I'm just like, Hey, here's the stuff you, you built, you, you got all the stuff dialed in. I just filmed the content. You, you tell me the strategy, you tell me what to do. I'm just the talking head, right? That's all I am. It's like, I don't need, I, w- I don't want to do anything. I just want to be able to give you the product. You make it come to life. And then for example, another thing that is like client success product. Well, if I get the product, like once I get all the product to a place, like there's a couple things. So I want to, this quarter, I'm going to put accountability pods in place to where it's much less of the pressure is on the client success manager. Cause that's a bottleneck that we're experiencing right now. It's like, Hey, in order for us to hire a really good client success manager to get our clients, huge results, they need to be have wholesale in the past. They need to have done this. They need to know real estate. They need to know business. And it's like, I'm like, damn, I got to pay this person like 15 grand a month to come and work for me. So I'm like, okay, how can I get that down to where I pay them like eight to 10 grand a month where it's still someone really talented, but they're not like, you know, I'm not like having to pay them. I can hire four instead of two, which means I can give better service at the long run. So it's like, I got to build the entire product, reverse engineer it from that thought in mind. And then now if I have those people on my team, you pay someone a hundred, hundred to 150 grand a year. If you have to hold them and hold their hand, then like you need to fire them right away. So for me, like it's going to be a very, it's a very detached thing. And I can basically just say to one of them, Hey, for three weeks, Hey man, um, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Make sure the team's good. I mean, you know what to do. I trust you, blah, blah, blah. Here's the outcome. And I'll probably just like, I mean, my goal is to not look at anything, but we'll see where things are exactly at. See if I look at Slack or see if I check my email, see if I hop on a call once in a while, probably not. My goal is to do none of that, but you'll, you, you know, you can't kill the business. So you gotta, you gotta make decisions. Another example would be like, there, there's tons of examples, but that's like, for me, I just look at what am I doing? And then how does, how does my goals to not be there? Like in order to get that, what things do I need to do differently than I am today in order to make that happen? And then that's all I think about. And then you just think about, okay, I also want to make money. So if I want to make money and not do as much work, I need to have a lot more leverage, have better people on my team. And that's where we get into talk about like revenue per employee. And so you can hire better people and you have more margin and blah, blah, blah. But that, that is a whole nother topic. Um, a discussion, man. And if we had the time, I would love to to dive into that. Is okay revenue per employee because, like you said, if, if you're paying someone a hundred thousand dollars a year, you should be able to just say, "Hey, here, take care of this. I don't need to hold your hand." However, a six dollar, you know, a lot of people want the same result out of a six dollar an hour VA, and you're just not going to get yeah. that, right? It's gonna you're you're yeah. gonna pay people in proportion to what they're actually worth. So. Kind of shifting directions here. You've been ultra successful over, uh, you know, basically from 21 to 24 uh, in, in an impressive way. Would you change anything if you could? If you could go back and, and restart, what would you do differently? I, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Like you are where you're at because that's like where you're meant to be. But like, I guess like what, what, because, okay, my life is fucking sick. Like I, live wherever I want. I don't have to worry about money at all. I can go hang out with all my friends. Like right now I just moved out of my house and I'm living in an Airbnb with two of my best friends and we're just going to travel around the world, go on trips, do whatever. I don't know. Like I can't, ima- like I can't, ima- I get to do things that I love every day. I love, I love business, 
but I don't love it so much where I want to do it 300 days a year. I'd like to do it too. Like this year I'm going to work 216 days. How many days I'm working? No more. And then, so I don't want to do more than that. I'd like to do less eventually. Like the goal is like, how can I just have more dope adventures? Cause if you think about life, I, I, cause last year I don't have my, I don't have the book on me last year. What I did is I went back and I wrote out every single thing I did for every month. And it was like, that, that I love, like all my favorite things from each month. And it was about 60 things that I did, like trips and, you know, events and all kinds of different stuff. And the, my favorite three trips that I had, this was from 2022 that I had were these like really remote, like crazy adventures. And I like realized like, damn, like the, the things that I love about life, like I could have no money and like, I would not care. Cause if I had no money, the life I would live, I was, I would just like walk around in the woods and backpack and, you know, go to hostels and like live for a couple bucks and like try to like, you know, maybe like work for, a month so I could live for six months and do that over and over again. So like now I just have the luxury of like, I do have money so and I do enjoy it. I love working. It's great, but I also love traveling and that's the best experiences. So I'm trying to optimize for the most experiences I can possibly have in my life. So like, I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't change anything if anything, cause I feel like you do need that. Like if you want to kind of set yourself up to where you have a lifestyle business, you do need to stack skills. So I think there is a grind period that you have to commit to, but I think that you have like, you have to be aware of when that needs to stop because most people just get stuck in the rat race forever. And then they have a billion, they want 10 billion and you ask them why they want 10 billion. They say, I don't know what else I would do in my life. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. that's, I don't know. That's, I don't think that's great. Um, and then people also go to the far end of the spectrum. So like one of my friends who's like one of my best friends hasn't worked in two years and he was like, I want to be financially independent. And then he got that and he hasn't worked in two years. And like, you know, he's like, ah, this side of the spectrum isn't the right either. Like there's a reason people work and like, there's a happy medium to where it's like work, play, have experiences, have relationships, all that kind of stuff. And if you can do the same, do build, have great experiences with great people, then you're going to live like the most happy life ever. In my opinion. I love that. I think this is the best podcast for someone to listen to. That's shooting for that because no one has it down. Perfect. Right. No one has, the, the absolute balance at all time. I know Rob Deerdeck talks about, uh, if you ever watch his podcast on My First Million, he has a really great. good piece on how to balance everything out. And he's a he's a nut to it. I absolutely love it. Um, but what you just said is, is awesome. And I love that you, that you also bring up, there is a grind phase, right? Everything comes at a cost. So in order to get that financial freedom, you do need to actually work to build it. And then you can set yourself up for success because too many people, you know, they want the yin without the yang, right? They want yeah. a lifestyle business, but they don't want to put in the work. So they're just constantly looking for shortcuts and paying for like, you know, the get rich quick schemes without actually putting in the work. And those people are never successful. So it's incredible what you've been able to build. Are you willing to share your document that builds out what your dollar per hour task is. And if so, how would people reach out to you to get that? Yeah, dude. Um, I give you a link to like an instruction document on how to do it and everything. And, uh, you can either put it in the description or you guys, uh, could DM me and just say the word daily optimizer on Perfect. Instagram. My Instagram's Chandler saying just Chandler saying a unique okay. name. I even have Chandler saying at Gmail. So like, feel free to blow my email up, even though I don't look at it. I have like 10,000 unread emails, but yeah, just uh, you can put it. I'll have a Google Doc. You can put it in the description, or you can and, DM me the word "daily optimizer." And if people want to learn how to build that lifestyle business like you've built now, build a wholesale business up to three and a half million dollars a year, and, and a coaching business over a million in, in a pretty short time too, 
Um, where can they learn more about you? How do they find out kind of how to develop those skills? Yeah. So just Instagram, YouTube, uh, those are the main two places I, I post. YouTube, uh, Chandler Sane. Chandler Sane. Just Chandler Sane. Just search Chandler Sane on either one. And you're going to find me. And that's, that's literally it. It's that easy. Uh, yes. I also like, yeah, if you want to like talk to me in a one, more one-on-one way, message me on Instagram. We have a private discord community that uh, it's free, like a free private discord community. There's like 200 people in there or something like that, that we're going to slowly build up over this quarter, but I'm just interacting with people in a one-on-one way there. So if you guys want to actually talk to me um, and not, you know, join our program or something like that, then that's, that's the best way to do it. Awesome. Dude, this has been fun. I think that everybody got, I know I got a lot of value. I'm sure everyone else did. I'm going to drop your Instagram and your YouTube channel in the show description. You guys check it out. The stuff that Chandler is putting out for free would blow your mind because it's better than most of the stuff that people are putting out paid. So Chandler, thanks for having us on, man. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. For sure, brother. Appreciate y'all.